the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. They were teaching that if you do evil, if you live in a way that is sinful and wrong according to God's word, you're good in the sight of the Lord. And God actually delights in you. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't judge you. He approves of you. He approves of the way you're living. You can live however you want, and God is pleased with you. You don't have to repent of your sins. You don't have to change anything when you come to Christ. You can just keep living how you're living. That's a lie. What God calls sin is not only being tolerated today, but is often celebrated and taught to others. But this is nothing new to God. The priests in Malachi's day told the people that God tolerates sin and delights in those who do evil. Yet today, Pastor Dan will explain that God doesn't delight in your sin. He actually grieves your rebellion. It breaks his heart that his people sin, especially when they teach others to sin as well. He will judge that. But there's forgiveness and mercy for those who confess and repent and believe in Christ. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Malachi chapter 2 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. chapter 2, and let me pray for us, and then we'll get into our study. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. As always, Lord, we're, we're thankful that your word is alive and it's powerful, and thankful for the way that you use your word to speak to us and to conform us into the image of your Son. And we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, and that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word. We pray and ask, Lord, that your Spirit would be upon me to teach your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just as a review, remember Malachi is God's last word to his people in the Old Testament. After Malachi, God does not speak to Israel again for 400 years, known as the 400 silent years of God between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, In the book of Malachi, 47 of the 55 verses, God speaks in the first person. Uh, He speaks in the first person of Malachi more than any other book in the Bible. It's a higher percentage. Again, this is God's final word in the Old Testament. He has a lot to say to his people, and he speaks very directly to them in the book of Malachi. Uh, Malachi was one of the post-exile prophets, along with Zechariah and Haggai, uh, meaning he is ministering after the Babylonian exile, and he's addressing the Jewish people who returned back to Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile. Uh, By Malachi's time, uh, the Jewish people had been back in the land of Israel over a hundred years. The temple was rebuilt. 
The sacrificial system was back in place. The feasts were celebrated again. Uh, The city of Jerusalem was rebuilt and secure. The cities of Judah were rebuilt. The Jewish people were, were settled back in their land and life was back to normal. However, during that time, the people had become cold toward God. They kept up all this religious activity, you know, and church attendance, we would say. Uh, They were very active, but their hearts had grown cold towards God. In fact, the people had become insolent toward God and calloused toward God. Uh, Their hearts had grown hard toward God and his word. And so God sent Malachi to confront the people, in particular to confront the priests, because the priests were leading the way in this. The priests were the leaders of the people, and they were leading the people in their rebellion and their rebellious attitude towards God. And so we left off last time in verse 17 of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 17, really introduces the final section of the book of Malachi. And look at verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, in what way have we wearied him? As we've seen in Malachi, every sin that the Lord addressed, the people pushed back. And they, they cynically questioned God's accusation. We saw that back in chapter 1, verse 2, chapter 1, verse 6, chapter 1, verse 7, chapter 2, verse 17. Here in chapter 3, verse 7, chapter 3, verse 8, chapter 3, verse 13. The people are not humble. They're not contrite when God confronts them about their sin. They're arrogant, they're disrespectful, and they challenge God, as they do here. God says, you have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, in what way have we wearied him? What are you talking about? How dare you say that about us? And so God tells them how, in that you say, everyone who does evil is good, In the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. They were teaching that if you do evil, if you live in a way that is sinful and wrong according to God's word, you're good in the sight of the Lord. And God actually delights in you. He doesn't condemn you, He doesn't judge you, He approves of you, He approves of the way you're living. You can live however you want, and God is pleased with you. You don't have to repent of your sins, you don't have to change anything when you come to Christ. You can just keep living how you're living. That's a lie. That's a message that is growing in popularity in the church today, and it's a lie. The first message that Jesus preached was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To repent means to change your mind about yourself and the way you're living, and then to turn away from your sin. So start going a different direction. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If you name the name of Christ, you say that you're a Christian, you should depart from your iniquity. They were teaching that everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. You're good. You don't have to change anything. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet Forbidder. They, they, were, they were saying, uh, you, you can do evil and you're still good. God delights in you even though you're doing evil. God, even though that's what God's word says. That's not really what it means. 
Listen, the word of God is eternal. The word of God doesn't change. The word of God doesn't adapt with the times or the culture. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And the Lord says here, this wearies me. This wearies me. You you misrepresenting me and misrepresenting my word and twisting my word to justify your sinfulness. That wearies me. I'm tired of it. And the Lord was wearied by the people saying, well, where is the God of justice? Where is the God of justice? Where is the God of, of judgment? God doesn't seem too concerned about our sin. If he's going to judge us for our sin, well, where is he? Where is the God of judgment? Why doesn't God take action against sin and ungodliness? He must not really care. He must not really plan on judging sin. You know, Peter tells us that in the last days, scoffers will say the same thing. Well, where is the God of judgment? In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter says, scoffers will come in the last days asking, where is the promise of his coming? The idea being, where is the promise of his coming to judge the earth? But Peter goes on to say, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Lord has delayed his judgment to give people the opportunity to repent of their sins and to turn to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. Just as he does with us when we sin, he doesn't immediately strike us down. Praise the Lord for that. He gives us room. He gives us time to turn from our wicked ways. But some count the patience and long-suffering of God as license to sin and license to live an ungodly life without consequence, like those in the days of Malachi who said, well, where is the God of justice? If God's going to judge people for their sin, well, where is he? Because he's not going to judge. We can live however we want. Now, that brings us into chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, Behold, God speaking, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Their question was, well, where is the God of justice? And God answers that he is coming and he will suddenly appear in his temple. And this was meant to be a warning to them. The God of judgment is coming and he will come suddenly to his temple as a surprise. So you need to be ready for when he comes. You know, the Bible tells us that the Lord will come for his church suddenly in the rapture of the church. And that he could come for his church at any time. The rapture of the church is imminent. And so we're supposed to always be ready and watching for Jesus to come for his church. And the Apostle John says those that have this hope purify themselves. They live a pure life. Because today might be the day that we see Jesus. And so we want to be ready for that when he comes. And so here he says, the Lord is coming. He is coming. Well, where's the God of justice? He's coming. He he says, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. The messenger that will prepare the way before the Lord is, is John the Baptist. This is a prophecy about John the Baptist. Uh, This verse is quoted in Mark chapter 1, and we are told it is speaking about 
John the Baptist, so we don't have to guess about this, this prophecy. We're told in the New Testament that it's speaking of John. John the Baptist was the messenger God sent to prepare the way before Jesus. And notice the Lord God says here, he will prepare the way before me. This is the Lord speaking. In the New Testament, we're told that John prepared the way before Jesus. And here the Lord is speaking and saying he's going to prepare the way before me. He's indicating, it's indicating that Jesus is God. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, another verse about John the Baptist. It says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It says, prepare the way of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Yahweh, God. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Jesus is Jehovah God in the flesh. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. And John prepared the way for Jesus as the herald that goes before the king, as they would do in the ancient world when a king would come to a town before his visit, he would send out a herald to announce his visit so that the people could prepare the way, you know, clean up the city, fill in the potholes, flatten the hills and make everything ready for the king. When he comes, John goes before Jesus to prepare the way for Jesus to come so that people can get ready. And, and how did John tell people to prepare for the coming of the king? By calling people to repent and be baptized. Repentance prepares the way for Jesus. And notice in verse 1, the Lord will suddenly come to his temple. Now, if you're a note taker, this had to be fulfilled while there was a temple. So the Lord had to come before 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. There's no temple today. There hasn't been since 70 AD. And the Lord will come suddenly to his temple when Joseph and Mary brought the baby Jesus to the temple for the first time. Luke's gospel tells us he was greeted by, they were greeted by Simeon and Anna. And Simeon and Anna uh, worshipped Jesus. And we're told that they were waiting for the Messiah to come. And we're, we're told too there that There was a small group of people in Jerusalem who were waiting for the Messiah to come. But most people missed it when the Lord suddenly appeared in his temple. Later in John chapter 2, when Jesus began his public ministry, one of the first things he did when he went to Jerusalem, one of his first acts was to go into the temple and cleanse the temple of those who bought and sold in the temple. The Lord God suddenly appeared in his temple and threw everybody out that was making money off of people. Notice Jesus is called the messenger of the covenant, the messenger of the covenant. Jesus came to establish a new covenant in his blood. And then it says, behold, 
he is coming. Where is the God of judgment? They asked. Behold, he is coming. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. In verse 2 and 3, Malachi has in view the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the first coming, Jesus came to die for the sins of the world on the cross. He came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When he comes again the second time to the earth, he will come not as a savior, but as a judge, to judge the earth. And so Malachi speaks of his first coming in verse 1 and his second coming in verse 2. And they kind of blend together here uh, in this passage. If you remember, even with John the Baptist, John the Baptist was a little confused about the first and second coming of Jesus. He describes Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, but he also says of Jesus, his axe is at the root. He's ready to cut down the tree, you know? And, and, and so John saw both the first and second coming of Jesus. John the Baptist even sent his disciples to Jesus and said, are you the coming one? Or should we be looking for someone else? And, and so John even wasn't clear on the first advent and the second advent. As we see here with Malachi, both are spoken of in verses 1 and verse 2. Uh, Isaiah 61 also speaks of both his first and second advent. If you remember in Luke's gospel, you don't have to turn there. In Luke's gospel, uh, chapter 4, at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus goes into the synagogue in Nazareth, in the town where he grew up, And he was asked to give the teaching that day, and he stood up to read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opens to Isaiah 61, and he begins to read, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he stops and he closes the scroll and he hands it back to the servant and he sits down and all eyes were fixed upon him. And he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. But when he read to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, that's actually in the middle of a verse in Isaiah 61. He stops in the middle of a sentence. He doesn't read the whole verse. He stops in the middle of the verse. The second half of that verse says, and the day of vengeance of our God. The second half of the verse refers to a second coming. That will be the day of God's vengeance. Jesus didn't read that. He stopped after saying to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord because that's his first coming. At his second coming, that will be the day of vengeance of our God. And so uh, we, we are living right on that comma there in that verse between the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. That's right where we are. And so even in Isaiah, you see both the first and second coming, as you do here in Malachi. Both events are in view. At his second coming, Jesus will judge. Look at verse 2 again. He, he will be a refiner's fire, and like a launderer's soap. Again, verse 3, 
He says he will sit as a refiner and and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. He will purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. He will purify and cleanse the sons of Levi. Remember, the priests were sons of Levi. They came from the tribe of Levi. And if you remember, the priests were leading the nation into rebellion and sin And we're affirming the sins of the people. And when Jesus returns at his second coming, he will purge and purify the Levites, the priesthood, so that they offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then, verse 4, the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord. As in the days of old, as in former years, And I will come near you for judgment. Verse 5. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against perjurers, liars, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien. That doesn't mean someone from outer space, but someone from another country. Because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. This again, it's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. When Jesus returns, he will judge sin. He will judge ungodliness and unrighteousness. And notice, please, at the end of verse 5, underline it in your Bible, the cause of all the sin and ungodliness in the nation of Israel was because they did not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. That was the root cause of all of the ungodliness, all of the wickedness in the nation. They no longer feared the Lord or had a reverence and respect for God. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6 says, By the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. The fear of the Lord causes people to depart from evil. Proverbs eight thirteen says, All who fear the Lord will hate evil. The people no longer feared God. They no longer revered God or his word. And so the nation of Israel sunk into wickedness and ungodliness. By the way, if you're trying to figure out what's happening in our nation, that's what's happening in our nation. We have lost the fear of God, the reverence of God, and his word over the last 50 or 60 years. And because there's no fear of God or reverence for his word in our nation, wickedness is prevailing and ungodliness is prevailing. That's why we should pray for a revival in our nation, because that's what is going to it's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's not a political issue. It's a spiritual issue and it requires a spiritual solution. And so pray for a revival, pray that God turns the hearts of people back to him and back to his word. Look at verse six. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. God does not change. God is immutable. That's what that means. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. James says there's no shadow of turning with God. There's no variableness with God. God's opinion doesn't change over time. God's opinion doesn't change with the culture. Me, how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament. Pastor Dan has more to share with you next time. But if you have any questions or would like to talk or share a prayer request, we'd like to hear from you. You can reach us at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also get in touch with us by visiting our website. Go to calvaryec.com and look under the About tab. Then click on Contact. You're welcome to submit prayer requests on our website, too. Are you looking for additional messages from this series? You can find them at calvaryec.com as well under the Media tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. If you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. Our website is a great place to find out what we believe and get to know Pastor Dan a little more. Feel free to explore and learn more at calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to gain some additional insights from this Old Testament book of Malachi. Pastor Dan will help bring some clarity to what this book is about, so be sure to join us again right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.